We can write a new money story. We can develop a a new relationship with money and it can become fulfilling and empowering and fun for women, you know, to the point where we feel happier, better in terms of our overall financial wellness. You're listening to Make Some Noise podcast, episode number 525 with guest Keisha Blair. Welcome to Make Some Noise Podcast, your guide for strategies, tools, and insight to empower yourself. I'm your host, Andrea Owen, global speaker, entrepreneur, life coach since 2007, and author of three books that have been translated into 18 languages and are available in 22 countries. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a lesson that will help you maximize unshakable confidence, master resilience, and make some noise in your life. You ready? Let's go. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. We are gathered today to have a conversation with another amazing guest. I am so excited for you to meet her. Before we jump into that, uh, just a quick announcement that I have one spot left this spring slash summer for private coaching. Just a couple examples of what some people are bringing over the last few months. I have someone who is getting back into the dating game after a while and wants to succeed in her goals of being less anxious, setting better boundaries, having hard conversations sooner rather than later. I have someone else who's in a career transition and just got the job of her dreams, which was one of those like moonshot things, but it happened. And then another person has come to me because she is wanting to ask for more at her job. And again, it's about having those hard conversations, setting bigger goals, and having some accountability around it. So if you're in any of those places or you're in some kind of transition, something that you want to do that you just haven't done yet and can use some guidance, some coaching, some accountability, send me an email. And we'll see if it's a good fit. You can go over to andreaowen.com slash coaching, fill out an application, and we will take it from there. All right. You ready to hear about today's guest? Keisha Blair's on the show. We're talking about money, one of my favorite topics ever. And I think that we just cannot hear enough from professionals around this topic. And so I've brought you another one. Let me tell you a little bit about our guest. Keisha Blair is the award-winning international best-selling author of Holistic Wealth Expanded and Updated, 36 Life Lessons to Help You Recover from Disruption, Find Your Life Purpose, and Achieve Financial Freedom. Keisha Blair has been profiled in the New York Times, Real Simple Magazine, Forbes, the Harvard Business Review, Essence Magazine, and many other publications. Her viral article, My Husband Died at Age 34, Here Are 40 Life Lessons I Learned From It, was viewed by more than 50 million people globally. Keisha Blair is also the host of the Holistic Wealth Podcast. So without further ado, here is Keisha. Keisha, thank you so much for being here. I'm so happy to be here, Andrea. Thanks for having me. I am too. I think this is the earliest I've ever, and it's only like 9.15 in the morning yes. that we're recording this, but <laughs> I have a puppy and she goes to doggy daycare on Tuesdays, only once a week. So I batch a bunch of episodes. So you're my first one this morning. So like, I feel like I'm coming in on two wheels and we're not, we're going to talk about kind of a big topic and that is money. Yes. Okay. And I love how, what you call it. You call it holistic 
wealth. So let's mm-hmm. start there from the very beginning. What is holistic wealth and why is it so important to women in today's world? It's it's such a great topic. And you know, it's so funny because I coined the term holistic wealth with the first edition of the book in 2019. So it was published in, in November, 2019. It's unbelievable how it's kind of revolutionized the way so many women see money and think about money and think about their overall you know, wealth. Mm -hmm. And so holistic wealth basically has, you know, several pillars. And so one of the first ones is, as you can imagine, the financial piece, which is basically, you know, financial savvy and independence. And it also encompasses, uh, you know, spiritual well-being and a life purpose and mission, as well as your mental, emotional, and physical health, as you can imagine. And so all of that, you know, gives us added resilience during times of difficulty, during times of tragedy and even setbacks. And even if it's a minor setback, even if you haven't had a a big setback, it really does strengthen our resilience muscles when we think about our wealth as not just about our money, right? Mm -hmm. Like yesterday I took a walk after, you know, feeding the kids and and, and having, you know, a busy day with work and everything. And we just took a walk in nature. And I thought, wow, this is really adding to my holistic wealth. I'm feeling so much more happier and wealthier for it. And it's such a good term, a wholesome term to think about wealth around us and how we appreciate it and the gratitude that we have for the things around us. So it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's just revolutionary in that way. And it goes beyond money. And, you know, women want to redefine how they see themselves. Yeah. Like traditionally, you know, we think of wealth in terms of our net worth and our assets alone and kind of our salary and our titles and all of that stuff. And, and, you know, while it's good to, you know, earn and, and, and become financially independent, as I mentioned, it's also good to recognize, especially during COVID, especially during what we've been through, how important our mental health is and our physical health, like everybody knows, like all of us, you know, we're faced with yeah. our mortality. And so that's what it encomprises. So it's, it's, it's really revolutionary in the way we think about wealth. Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. Well, I want to circle back to something that you said that sort of struck me when you answered that very first question and you talked about a life purpose. Can you kind of zoom in on that and and talk a little bit about why having a life or, or how having a life purpose rather would be helpful to someone who struggles with their with their financial health. Absolutely. And so um, even in the book, the first section is called build your life purpose portfolio. And it's, it's there right front and center because it's so important, especially for our finances to have that life purpose, because so many of us kind of teeter throughout life, you know, we go with the wind and whatever direction we're blown, we get influenced by others. We think we one path is, you know, is destined for us. And, and when you embrace that life purpose, it really gives you that center and that meaning so that you, you spend and invest differently. You spend and invest according to this life purpose and to this mission that you've embraced, you know, your personal mission, whatever that is. And so it gives your money purpose too. Uh, so many people have struggled with um, money trauma in the past and, 
and they mm-hmm. struggle with their financial identities. And so many of us, right? Like we transition into adulthood, not even having a sense of our financial identity. And so embracing that life purpose also helps us with all of those issues and helps us to, to ground our finances in this purpose and this mission. And so there's purposeful spending and there's spending that makes us more resilient. You know, I always talk about this term financial resilience. It gives direction to the money and it gives mm-hmm. the money that much more energy. So uh, it's it's a pretty important concept as, you know, as it relates to our finances. So I have other questions for you, but now every time you're talking, I'm like, I'm curious about that. And I'm curious about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm assuming that a money identity is very similar to your life purpose, or are they two very separate things? Yeah. So there are two separate things. So what happened is I developed this financial identities framework because I realized like, even as a trained economist, I, you know, sometimes as a woman, like I would, I would doubt myself and I would think mm-hmm. why, you know, is it that, and this was especially after my husband died and, and, and I was widowed at an early age at 31. And, and that was, you know, no, I remarried that was years ago, but back then I thought, why is it that when I spend, I'm thinking about how he would have spent. And, mm. and then I came up with this framework and, you know, it ha- it's the personal financial identity framework, and it really grounds us in terms of our financial identity. So the quiz is available on the Institute on Holistic Wealth website for those who want to take it. But really, it, it really gives us that financial identity and you're able to pinpoint the advantages and disadvantages of your personal financial identity. And it helps you in crafting your personal money story and your personal money story evolves over time, right? As we become more aware, as we begin to advocate for ourselves, you know, where our finances are concerned. And so it's tied to the life purpose because then once you identify your financial identity, you're able to say, okay, with this identity, how can I use my financial identity, especially the strengths of it? Because now I'm aware of the strengths and the weaknesses. How can I use it to really advance my mission and to to implement my my mission in a very authentic way so that I'm not following the crowd. I'm not spending, you know, based on what, how my friends are spending. I'm spending in an authentic way that drives my mission. And and so that's why it's so, it's so very good for all of us to be self-aware, undertake these things and, and really drive that purpose forward, knowing what we're prone to and knowing our, our personal identities. Probably like many people listening, um, not everybody, but some of you, I I can just, and of course we'll have those links in the show notes to your, to your quiz. Mm-hmm. My hunch is that my identity growing up was that someone would always take care of me financially. And also that I'm not smart enough to be able to take care of myself financially. Mm-hmm. And that'll find you in debt <laughs> by the time you're in your late twenties. <laughs> I know from experience and then, and also that like the, that debt is just this like weird kind of like esoteric thing out like this mystery cloud, like the cloud, it's like the cloud. Mm-hmm. It's just like exists, but no one can really see it. And that's not how that works. I had a, I had a rude awakening about my financial identity about, I don't know, 15 years ago. And, 
and had to climb my way out of that. But I'm I'm curious, you mentioned that you were widowed at a young age. So is that what brought you onto this journey on your own holistic wealth journey? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it, it was definitely the impetus for that. Cause you know what I realized, Andrea, like when I had that big life-changing setback, I realized that if women continue to define themselves by the traditional notions of wealth and success, we would find it much more harder to bounce back from a life-altering setback. Mm -hmm. Because then you think about, oh my gosh, as you mentioned, the debt, or you think about, oh, I've had to give up this job and give up this title, give up this position because of this setback, regardless of whether it's a divorce, illness, you know, what have you. And I realized that if we think about holistic wealth, we think about defining ourselves as being holistically wealthy in terms of these different facets of life. And if we were to be intentional about, you know, crafting this on a day-to-day basis and thinking, well, you know what? I feel so much more wealthier or holistically wealthier because my mental health is intact and my emotional health is intact. I'm taking care of me. I'm prioritizing my self-care. Then how much more resilient could we be? And so that's why I came up with this framework because I realized that in defining ourselves just by that traditional notion of wealth, that that could be disastrous. And especially Mm -hmm. when we go through these setbacks. And so I had written an article that went viral you know, in 2017, and it's entitled, my husband died here are 40 life lessons I learned from it. And those that formed the basis for the first edition of the book, uh, because I, you know, it touched so many lives and so many people reached out to me so that we decided to, to, you know, just expand it in a book. So, so absolutely. That's how this whole concept, that's how the journey started because of that realization, and even as a trained economist who had worked at, like, you know, in at the highest levels, I realized that this is something that we need to build our resilience to be able to overcome setbacks. I first gave AG1 a try because I was feeling low energy and sluggish and coffee just wasn't giving me what I needed. Especially in these winter months, I struggle with pep in my step. And since drinking AG1, I felt more energized and focused. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more, but it's a powerful healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. Because aging is a part of life that we all have to deal with, but I don't think it should prevent me from doing the things I love, like going on long hikes with my dog. I want to do the things that matter to me for as long as possible, which is why I drink AG1 every morning to support my brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm laying the groundwork for long-term health. I know with AG1, I'm giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process so you know it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrient density. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to have them as a longtime partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com noise. That's drinkag1.com noise. Check it out. What if in 2024 you got a little bit better every day? 
I mean, that's what this show is all about, right? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you can do in a full year. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel has over 16 million subscribers sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations. Their courses are so convenient and have helped me learn real-life conversation skills in Spanish. It's so easy to learn how to order food. That's where I get the most excited to use it at Mexican restaurants or ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while on vacation, etc. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 50% off a one-time payment for a lifetime Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash noise. Get 50% off at babbel.com slash noise, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash noise. Rules and restrictions may apply. I mean, no one prepares for that, right? I mean, I think very few people think they're going to be widowed in their 30s at such a young age. And what a what a difficult way to learn those lessons. My gosh, I just want to acknowledge that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and so, you know, it's so funny because, you know, even though the article was crafted as these are the lessons I learned, like some of them I had learned way in advance of him dying. Like, mm-hmm. for instance, the financial aspects of it as I said, like as a trained economist, he was an accountant, he was a CPA and we had planned, we had planned for all of that eventuality. And so it was kind of me passing it on, passing the baton on to, to, to other women about how you can plan ahead because financial independence for me went way back before marriage. Like I, it mm-hmm. stemmed from me being an only child and growing up as an only child and and with the realization that I needed to be financially independent, just in case something happened to my parents. And at the time when I was younger, I was thinking, well, what if I became orphaned? So I wasn't even thinking about widowhood. Okay. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even thinking about my husband dying because that wasn't even in the realm of my imagination that I would get mm-hmm. married young and my husband would die seven years later and I'd be widowed. It wasn't even what was in the realm of my thinking was my parents might die and I would need to be prepared because I'm an only child. So I embraced that from a very early age and was financially independent even before. So like the lessons passing on, it was just like, well, you know what? I had learned these lessons even before. Here's this article passing on these lessons to you as a way of saying, well, you know what, be prepared because you never know what will happen in life. That's true. (laughs) It's a, it's a tricky balance though, to give people advice or prepare our children or even prepare ourselves for those types of scenarios as, as rare as they might be. And then also not get to a place where you're living in fear constantly of something like that happening. I mean, I've thought a few times when I see how much we pay for life insurance, I'm like, you know, but do we really need this? Yeah. (laughs) What are the chances? But oh my gosh. Yeah. It's a, it's a slippery slope. I'm also, okay. So here's something that I hear from a decent amount of women that are in my communities that either come to my retreats or send me DMs on Instagram is when we're talking about money, a common thing that I hear from them is that they ignore their financial issues, like 
you know, even as something as simple as looking at their bank account. So they might not be in a um, financial predicament, but they just don't want to look at it. And, you know, they're paying the minimum on their credit cards and just kind of just kind of, you know, it's like in the background there. And it's not necessarily that these women don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. It's that they have resistance to yeah. it. And and again, it's not that they're in, in dire straits with their money. It's just, they don't want to look at it. So what kind of advice do you give to those women? So if they were come to you for coaching, like, where would you start? Yeah, absolutely. And it's so funny because I coach women too um, with my work at the Institute and we just launched this trauma of money certification program. And I've been coaching women Mm. through that program. And it's funny, Andrea, that you bring up this avoidance, right? And disassociation when it comes to money. And it can be, it can be a sign. It can be a sign of, and I'm not saying that it stems from trauma in all cases, but it is, it is just saying Mm -hmm. it's a symptom of of money trauma. It is, those are a couple of the symptoms and it might not be that it's money trauma, but I always tell women, you know, go back, just go back and think about your childhood. Were there any negative money messages being passed on to you? Andrea, you brought up point when you were younger too, and thinking about your own money story. And I always tell them, you know, write that money story, like write a letter to Mm -hmm. yourself and see exactly where this stemmed from, what were people around you saying about money and, and how were these early perceptions formed? Was it as a result of negative money messages? Was it a result of any money trauma? Was your, were your parents always you know, talking about money in a negative way or, or were they fighting about money? It's, it's so right. important that you know, we do the work in thinking about why. Why is it I'm avoiding my bank statements? Why is it that I'm avoiding the debt, the credit card statements? Why am I, you know, not checking in? Why am I not wanting to go in on a daily basis, maybe multiple times a day to see what's coming out of my bank account? Why am I not setting up an app that tells me when a deduction is is out Mm -hmm. immediately notifying me which deduction came out? Because it's important that we do the work. I get women, you know, telling me various stories, but it's such interesting and important work because we can transform that. We can write a new money story. We can develop a, a new relationship with money and it can become fulfilling and empowering and fun for women to the point where we feel happier, better in terms of our overall financial wellness. So I would start mm-hmm. there and just just start thinking about that early childhood interaction and and kind of what happened there. I love that foundational where I I did it a long time ago, but now hearing you say that this, I'm like, I should probably do that again. Mm -hmm. And I have no idea how you feel about this. And I don't think I've seen it in any of your blog posts or on social media. So I'm just going to throw it out there. If you think it's like Yahoo weird stuff, then we can just, we can just (laughs) bypass. But I've had a handful of therapists come on and talk about intergenerational trauma. And I've heard some I mean, it's kind of like arguing going on on social media about, oh, the good old days and people used to stay married longer. And, 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 and the argument there is, well, women didn't have, they were in many, in many marriages trapped Mm -hmm. for economic reasons. Mm -hmm. Like they couldn't leave, you know, I think about my own mother and she divorced my older brother and sister's father. They're my half siblings. And she, she got married very, very young a teenager, had children right away and left that marriage in the Mm mid-1960s when 
the, and they were Catholic. That that was like unheard of. And really the only reason she was able to do that and her former husband did not help her ever, ever wow. <laughs> financially, ever. My mom had seven sisters. So she had this built-in community of women who helped her with childcare so my mom could get a job and 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 she struggled a lot. But I, I think about that, that she had she had some opportunity having the help that she did. And a lot of women didn't have that. And they stay anyway, I'm going on and on and kind of like painting the picture and of, of intergenerational trauma when it comes to money, mm-hmm. especially what are your feelings about that? And do you, do you work with that at all? I do. I do. And I wrote this article about ancestral money blocks being passed down mm-hmm. and, and, you know, even on the holistic wealth podcast, we've explored the topic quite a bit in terms of, you know, epigenetics and, and how, right. you know, this trauma gets passed down even in the womb, but you know, what you're talking about the scenario with your mom is, is I feel like it's the story of all of us, you know, it's, it's not the same in terms of every little detail, but I do feel like, and you're right. I feel like back in the day, you know, women, those marriages last, of course, because women weren't as financially empowered as they are today for so many reasons. And I mean, it's so obvious, right. But like, I, I, Mm -hmm. I've, I've heard so many stories, Andrea, of people who've come on a podcast, other women, and they've talked about like their grandmothers living through the Holocaust or their great grandmothers leaving, living through world war, you know, world war two, the depression, the depression, Mm -hmm. the great depression, my grandmother did, my mother did. And so the stories are so similar and we've come so far that I think as women today, we're so much more self-aware. Yes. Like I do a lot of work around that coaching and on the, at the Institute. And so a lot of women also have identified to me and even on the podcast that they had to break that, that they had to break that generational pattern themselves. And they've had to, to turn kind of um, that money story you know, on its head and, and chart a new path for themselves. And it's amazing that I think as women that we're so self-aware now that we can be like, well, you know what, that was a generational pattern for sure. But here's how I'm going to rewrite my money story and be authentic in, in embracing my financial identity and, and, and crafting a new money story for myself. And, and so many women have done that. And, and it's amazing that the first step as we're saying, is just, you know, looking back at our lineage, looking back at the line and, and kind of what our grandmothers and our mothers went through and kind of what we need to do to kind of, you know, carry the baton going forward for the next generation. Yes. I'm curious about kind of switching gears slightly. I know that your your book came out several years ago and then you updated it because of COVID and the, mm-hmm. and the pandemic. Was there anything specific that you updated the book with with the coaching that you did from women that had experienced some financial losses and maybe some trauma through the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. So we did, and I did update the book with several women who I've trained, coached. Um, It also has a forward by actress Kelly Rutherford, who spoke about her Mm -hmm. own story of setback, which is just unbelievable um, as a mother having to go through, um, you know, the loss of her kids through divorce and and that ongoing battle. Right. So it's a very vulnerable, this new and expanded book is a very vulnerable one. And, and as you mentioned, several women came forward after the first edition of the book was written and they're like, well, we want to be certified holistic wealth consultants. At the time I had no courses. I had nothing like that. 
And I wrote the certification program throughout through COVID the first six months and launched the certification and several women, you know, we've had women, uh, you know, become certified and have started training other women in their communities, teens, girl guides, through girls guides associations and, and, and through multiple organizations. And many of them have said that this has been revolutionary in their lives as they also make other women aware because they have come through I mean, all of them have revisited their own personal money stories and they've come through what we just mentioned in terms of that, you know, intergenerational trauma. I remember there's one story in the book of one of the trained holistic wealth consultants uh, who lived through homelessness in her childhood. Like they lost their home and, and they were homeless on the streets. Now she has a seven figure business and she's doing extremely well you know, with her investments and, and she came forward and she's like, I want to be a holistic wealth consultant. And we have several stories like that, both in the book, women who have really taken the reins in their lives of turning things around. And, and you can't imagine being homeless or you can't imagine uh, walking through periods of great turmoil and then really taking the reins in your life to turn that ship around and, and craft mm-hmm. a new story. And that's what they've done. And it's phenomenal. And that's why I wanted to show readers the progression of how it started, how the journey started and what's happening today in terms of how it's evolved. And there are new chapters in the book as well. Uh, the, 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 uh, the personal financial identity piece is a whole new chapter in the book, as well as several other new chapters. And of course, the most important piece for me is, well, how do we craft a holistic wealth portfolio? And that's a new chapter in the book as well, because now it's synthesizing synthesizing everything for readers in terms of, okay, so what's the end result here? What, what do I, what am I left with? And it means, you know, part of that means building that holistic wealth portfolio and really, um, you know, building out a life for yourself that encompasses this, um, you know, holistically wealthier lifestyle. And so that's why I'm excited. So thanks for asking me about that, Andrea. I'm excited about, Mm -hmm. you know, this new edition that was just published in March this year that really shows readers, you know, how women have taken the reins in their lives, regardless of homelessness, regardless of abuse, regardless of tragedy, and they've really turned their lives around. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. With Shopify POS, you can accept credit cards, mobile payments, and every other major payment method, all with low fees and transparent pricing, starting 
on day one. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash noise, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash noise to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash noise. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. I love the idea of an entire, like a holistic portfolio that's not just about your your finances, but because uh, everybody loves a, a, a good chart too. I mean, that's like the favorite, my favorite thing when I look at <laughs> yeah. with our financial advisor. Right. And sometimes I'm not, I'm not saying it's always like right on track to make as much money as we want when we retire, et cetera, et cetera. We have to make adjustments sometimes, but so is life. You know, like you don't always have everything is a 10, you know, all areas of your life are a 10, which actually brings me to, to something I just wanted to comment on. And I wrote about this in, in Make Some Noise, my last book about, and it was specifically about, about finances. And one of the best things I ever did, mm-hmm. um, and I liked our former financial advisor just fine. And it was a man and I, but we moved states. And so I decided to hire a new one. And I specifically looked for a woman. It was for a couple of reasons. I just felt more comfortable asking questions to a woman. Mm-hmm. And also a woman can relate to my apprehension and my discomfort um, of not knowing certain things and yes. not knowing the difference between this kind of IRA and this kind of investment and all of this, this lingo and this jargon that I had no idea. And I finally realized, and this is going to sound really dumb to some people, but, <laughs> but I finally realized one day as I was uncomfortable, you know, asking questions with our other financial advisor, this is literally their job. Yeah. Like it's literally their job to educate their clients on what all of these different things mean. Yes. What all of these different accounts means, what all these different investments mean, you know, asking like, should we put more money in our savings first or should we pay off this debt or should we invest this money? Like I kind of came to these conversations previously thinking like, I should just already know that it's sort of like taking, signing up for dance lessons and then being like, well, I don't know how to dance yet though. Yeah. (laughs) 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 But it's, I I just want to say that because I, I, 
know that there's probably someone listening who's a little bit nervous about it. And I, I, I also still talk to women who are even my age and like, they're like, no, I don't have a financial advisor yet. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to put the link in the show notes to my financial advisor. You guys, her name is Joanne. I specifically asked her and I'm like, you don't just work with people in North Carolina, do you? She's like, oh no, no, no. I have clients all over the United States. Mm-hmm. And I do think she is limited to here in the United States. I know Keisha, you're in Canada, but um, I don't get any commission from her. I don't get any kickbacks, but she is so fantastic. She's progressive, like all of us listening. She's amazing and I love her and she's a woman. Um, and then the second thing, and then I'll stop talking. I wanted my children to see a woman in that field. Absolutely. Because it is a male-dominated field. And I just wanted them to be like, oh, our parents' financial advisor is a woman. Absolutely. And this is such an important point for you to raise, Andrea, because many of the women who came forward who wanted to become certified holistic wealth consultants are women, 100%. -hmm. And they're financial advisors, mainly financial advisors with CPAs, with MBAs. Some of them live in the United States. So I have half and half of my holistic wealth certified holistic wealth consultants, half and half live in the United States. um, and, And the other half are in Canada. And I just wanted to bring up a stat. And I searched it while you were speaking because it is almost, it's unbelievable that Mm -hmm. in the industry, only 15 to 20% of all financial advisors are women. You know, it's so funny. You raised that point that you had that male financial advisor and you're absolutely right. A lot of women don't feel comfortable with their financial advisors. Sometimes, you know, they're just not sensitized to our needs in the way we need them to as a mom. Mm -hmm. I've experienced it. I experienced it when I was widowed early and it was just mind blowing at sometimes the insensitivity, right? I want to acknowledge too, that especially, and I'm, I'm assuming the vast majority of them are white too. Mm -hmm. And for you as a woman of color, I imagine that it was even an extra layer of feeling uncomfortable with your choices out there. Absolutely. And that's why even in that certified holistic wealth consultant program, there's a whole module on anti-racism. There's a whole module on how to deal with clients that are women of color or people of color, because it mm-hmm. it was, it's, it's absolutely not the same. We face different mm-hmm. barriers. They're systemic. They're systemic yeah. barriers. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not easy to overcome. And, you know, as you've seen with the George, George Floyd protests and, and that racial reckoning that we had, it's huge. And it's a huge mm-hmm. part. It impacts our finances in a huge way. So how do we make those clients more resilient financially? And that's what I've been working on, even in my work, because I realized that the gaps were huge. When these women came forward, Andrea, they were, and they're trained financial advisors already in the field. Most of the women who take my program are trained financial advisors. Um, and they came for her like, listen, we're not even scratching the surface because you know what yeah. happens in the financial industry. So financial advisors will come for her like, yeah, buy a life insurance, buy a mutual fund. And that's it. Like there is no coherence to your portfolio. There's yeah. no big long-term goal. There's no big thing tying everything together. And they said, listen, your book taught us a lot in terms of what the gaps were because many financial advisors, for instance, just one glaring example, many financial advisors have never even, you know, received the proceeds of a life insurance policy. I have. So I know mm-hmm. what it means behind the scenes and a process that has to unfold and how to help and how your emotional, clients. I imagine and how is. emotional and how traumatic money. it can be mm-hmm. and how it can lead to money trauma. And that's what I teach in my money trauma course too, 
And so a lot of these women come forward because they know their tra- they know their training is limited. They know they're limited in scope in terms of what they can offer, but they want to go deeper with their clients because there's the changing role of the financial advisor as well with COVID-19 and people looking for far more support. So that's another thing that, you know, um, is so important about this conversation. Well, I'm, I'm glad that we got to, to dive into that at the very end here. And, and we will definitely put those links in the show notes. So people will have plenty of, of options and opportunity to, to look into a financial advisor, whether they're thinking about hiring one for the first time or, or switching because they're not totally happy with. I look at a financial advisor similarly to the relationship I have with a therapist. Mm-hmm. You have to completely and unequivocally trust this person. Mm-hmm. It's an emotional relationship, even though you're not emotional with each other, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because money, I think for most people, is emotional. It's not just money. Absolutely. Like it is, but it isn't. Absolutely. And I have my own financial advisor. And oh, that's smart. I was, I wouldn't think that you would. And and I've had one from, you know, I was like maybe 20, like I've, I always, and so even, you know, with my last response, I want to, to, to make it clear to listeners that yeah. it's not like I'm not for it. Like you have to have your financial advisor. Mine is on speed dial because he knows the ins and outs of, for instance, taxes that I don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. And he knows the mm-hmm. ins and outs of what's being announced that that's going to affect my portfolio in a way that I'm not tracking. So I think you need a whole ecosystem of experts around you when it comes to your finances and absolutely, absolutely everyone needs to get one. But I agree. I agree, Andrea. Get one that suits you, that you feel comfortable with, that you trust, that you can level with, that you can be your, you know, you can be honest about your emotional responses to certain things like, you know, a particular investment or Mm -hmm. stocks or whatever it is um, so that you feel comfortable. Yeah. And I also just want to say one last thing about it. It, It's not um, just for quote unquote wealthy people, or if you're, if you're listening, thinking like, well, I don't, I I don't make over six figures. I feel like finance people who have financial advisors is only for people who make over six figures. Not true. Absolutely not true. We had one, me and my former husband, oh my gosh. And we were broke. (laughs) We were in our twenties. Like we didn't make hardly any money. We were just starting out in our careers. If that, you know, I was still in college. Like, yeah, it's still an important thing to have. So I want, before we close, I want to make sure that you, is there anything else that you want to say that maybe you missed or that you want to circle back to so that you can feel complete before we end? No, I think I'm good. You feel good? Yes. Okay. Where can people find more of you? We will put links for sure to the things that you mentioned um, on the show. We'll put those in the show notes, but you have your own podcast, right? I do. Or anything else you want to send people to? I do have my own podcast. It's the Holistic Wealth Podcast with Keisha Blair, just because there's more than, I think there's more than one Holistic Wealth Podcast. So I just want to make that clear. And of course, uh, my personal website is KeishaBlair.com. Feel free to, to reach out to me there. And there's the Institute's website, which is uh, Institute on Holistic wealth.com. And of course, if people want to subscribe to the podcast, that would be great. And it's available on all streaming platforms, on Apple and Spotify and Stitcher and everywhere. So you can, you can also listen in there, uh, you know, to, to those episodes as well. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today. It was amazing being here. I really enjoyed our conversation, Andrea. Thank you so much for having me.
Yeah, you made a pleasure first thing in the morning. Um, <laughs> and to all my listeners, you know how grateful I am for your time and that you choose to spend it here with me and my guests. And remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye for now. Hey, did you know there's free secret podcast episodes waiting for you that are not part of my regular podcast feed? Yes, andreaowen.com slash free. And you just sign up, you get a link sent to you. It's very secret. It's like a secret club. We don't have a secret handshake. Don't worry about that. But it's these motivating podcast episodes that I made for you. They're under 20 minutes each. There's three of them. They're for wherever you are in your life. So head on over there and grab them. They range from really supporting you and seeing you where you are and being compassionate all the way to giving you a giant kick in your ass and telling you how amazing and gorgeous and phenomenal you are. So andreaowen.com slash free and get your hands on that free podcast feed. Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.